church, can we welcome the Lord Jesus into this place? Hey! Come on! Hey! Come on, you know this one. Every voice. We're gonna lift that song now. We've seen. We've seen the things that you have done, and still we know the best is yet to come. Oh, there's so much more to come. All right, church, now open the sounds of victory from the people of God. You're changing everything. All right. Open the gate. You close.
alive you sound alive it's good to be in the house of the Lord joining our voices to sing glory to the one to the only one so let's just settle in here for a second oh, fix our eyes on him 
the reason, the reason we have come, Jesus, it's all you. The Lord is doing extraordinary things. We've been in between services. I had three stories of just, you know, just like what in the world? Only God, only the Lord can do this and that and what? It's just, so it's stirring up, friends. So just let's be open, okay? Let's just open our hearts and whatever, you know, just our hands, our spirits, our eyes, just God, we're ready. We love you. We're gonna sing the song, Amen, Hallelujah. We, we, we just released this song. You know, we recorded back in the fall. We release songs. That's what we do as a church, right? So we recorded and we just released this song like 30 hours ago. So it is out into the ether. So Lord, let it go, right? Let it, let it just soar to the four corners of the earth and, and be used by the Lord. But we're gonna sing this song and we need to sing songs that talk about the future. We need to sing our way into the future. I like to say that worship is a real-time adjustment to the reality of the future. And this song lifted right out of Revelation 19, but the bridegroom, Jesus, returning for his bride, us, who is, we're ready. Let us be a ready people for our, for our Savior, for our God, for the bridegroom to return and let the multitudes of the earth sing glory, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. The Lord reigns forever and ever. So even now, church, can we just say that you reign, Lord Jesus. You rule, you reign, you're over all things, and the earth will rejoice and all will praise your name. We're ready, God. Make us ready. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. This be a holy moment. Sing right here.
Can you feel the presence of the Spirit of Jesus in this place today? We've already had a beautiful first service. We're, we're, we're riding the wave of what the Spirit has been doing here today. And as we come to give to the Lord of our tithes and offerings, I want to tell you what happened last Monday morning. We finished great services here on Sunday. We cleaned up in the afternoon, got the building back ready, and had an awesome day in church. Well, Monday morning, right away, five Venezuelan families walked into our lobby. They'd never been here. They don't speak any English. They were put on a bus at the border, sent up to Denver. There are thousands of Venezuelans on the streets of Denver right now. And, and so they got on a bus and somehow came to Colorado Springs and found a blue building with a big, uh, a big cross on the top. And they walked in and they said, uh, we, 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 you know, I don't speak great Spanish. Pastor Eddie grew up in Mexico City. So we called Pastor Eddie over and he came across and he started talking to them in his mother tongue. They have housing here in Colorado Springs through an agency that provided it. They don't have any work and they certainly don't have any food. And they said, we're starving. They didn't have any coats. They're in Crocs because they're from Venezuela. It's winter in Colorado. And so we went right to work and we, we took them to our food pantry here on campus and we loaded them up with sacks and sacks of groceries, got them some coats and started working with them and, and, and prayed with them in the lobby. And I want you to know it's because of your generosity that we were able to do that. Nueva Vida, our Spanish-speaking congregation on the southeast part, uh, corridor of our city, they're feeding 2,000 people out of the back of their church every two weeks, and they're, and they're clothing the naked and, 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 and helping people who are sick and feeding the hungry and giving drink to those who are thirsty. Friends, this is who we are as the people of God. We need our politicians to get their minds right. We need a political solution. We need Washington, D.C. to do what they were made to do, but we are the people of God. And you know what's not political? Feeding the hungry person in front of you is not political. It's called following Jesus. And so church, thank you. Pastor Brady sent out an email because this week we emptied out our food pantries. And he said, hey, we need to restock. And 850 families in New Life Church went right onto Amazon and drop shipped us. Our, our food pantries are overflowing right now for the next couple weeks. I just wanna say thank you for being a generous church. Thank you for catching the heart of Jesus. And Jesus in Matthew 25, he says, at the end of all days, I'll come back 
and I'll separate the sheep from the goats. And they'll say, well, what's the difference between the sheep and the goats? And he said, the sheep are those, he said, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was, I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick and you took care of me. And he said, every time you did that to one of these, the least of these, my brothers or sisters, you were doing that unto me, says Jesus. So as we give today, I just want to say thank you for being this kind of church. Amen. Let's pray as we give Lord for those who are on the brink in our city, we pray provide. For those who are afraid in our city, we say, peace be still. For those who are homeless in our city, Lord, would you, would, you, would you bring them into safe shelter? Would you heal the sick and would you take care of the prisoner? Lord, we wanna be a church that cares about the things that you care about. And so we give today by faith and we pray that you would take these gifts and bless those in our city who are in need and bless those around the world with our global partners who are in need. Lord, we give. And we pray, make your kingdom to come and your will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, amen. There's four different ways you can give. That's up on the screen. Let's continue to worship as we give. deserves all our glory and honor. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, church family. So good to be with you all this morning. Before we continue in our service, I invite you just to take a moment, greet one another. If there's someone you don't know or haven't recognized, say hello, give them a hug, a handshake, and we'll continue in a moment. Good morning, New Life North. It's so good to see you. My name is Callie. Welcome to church this morning. Hey, my name is Briggs. If you're new here and you're wondering what ministries New Life Church offers, you can scan the QR code or click the link below. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, tell us where you're watching from. We'd love to say hello. Yes, now grab your Bible, grab a notebook, grab a pen. It's time to lean in for a powerful message.
you. Hey everyone, we have a very special guest with us this morning. Pastor Jeff Little has been my friend for uh, over a decade. He's the pastor of Milestone Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They have multiple locations. He is a leader of leaders. He's a pastor. He's a shepherd. He's a dynamic communicator. And he's a great friend. So will you stand right now and welcome Pastor Jeff Little. Awesome. Well, it's a joy to be here with you. Joy to be here. You may be seated. It's actually a joy to be back. A few years ago, I had a chance of being here with this great church. So maybe there's some familiar faces and maybe some new faces with you. I know it, it may seem, if you've been to church for a little while, that you have someone come in and, and, and then it's kind of protocol to say something good about your pastor. But I wanna say something not out of protocol, but I wanna say something to you because it's the truth. Uh, Pastor Brady, actually, uh, he and I go all the way back to, we moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area in 2002 with 32 people that were my friends that I discipled with a suitcase to start a church. And we rented a house in the neighborhood where Brady and Pam were. And uh, my wife and Pam would have a Bible study together. So I've known your pastor a long time. And uh, there's so many great things, character, consistency, so many things about who he is uh, that we're grateful for. But I wanna tell you one that, that, that I really admire because it's becoming more rare in our world and shouldn't be is that he's a pastor who has uh, so much responsibility and so many people, but he still loves people. Come on now, that's a good thing. I hear all these pastors all the time, you know, this wouldn't be that bad if it wasn't for the people. I still love people, I have a pastor's heart. In fact, they didn't teach me that in seminary. They told me, stay away from the sheep, they bite. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, my, some of my greatest friends are in my church, and, uh, and, and I have a pastor's heart, and so your pastor and I are, are great friends. But a great church is not just because you have a great set of pastors and leaders. Really, a great church is made up of people like you. So I wanna honor you. I wanna honor you for just the atmosphere and the spirit here and, and uh, just the way God's using you beyond here that you may not even know. And, and just, I, I celebrated, I was kinda tracking along a big moment for, for the church here and, and this is all because of your generosity. Wasn't that amazing that you guys here recently paid off all of the debt here? At, at, come on. That's a big deal, that's amazing and exciting. So uh, thank you for the honor of being here with you. I'm gonna ask you if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John, because that's where you guys have been. You guys are in the book of John, and so uh, uh, Pastor Brady just, just gave me a couple of instructions. We're in John, and, 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 and just kinda go wherever you want, in John. So I went to John, John 14, 27, and then I'm gonna ask you to put your finger over to John 20, Verse 30 and 31, 31, 32, we're gonna look there as well. Um, I, I have to tell you that I, I, have, I have the heart of a pastor. I, I speak out a little bit, but, but I'm a local church pastor. That, that's all I've really ever done. I, I started preaching at 16 years old in my home church. My, my pastor would let me preach. I, I believe in the next generation because we have a statement at our church, you don't have to wait to be great. You can be a great kid. And my pastor let me preach at 16. Little did I know, I made my way to Baylor University. That's in Waco, Texas. 
It's Jerusalem on the Brazos River, if you've never been there. God's presence dwells there in tangible form. And I was the youth pastor at a little local church, and they made me the senior pastor at 21 years old. I didn't say I was a good one, I just said I was one, all right? It was a little church there in Central Texas. Here's the church and here's the steeple and open the doors and there were five mad Baptists and they were all mad at me. But all I've ever done is serve God's people. So when I came here and got ready to come here and was praying about you, I don't think about a great speech or trying to be cute or revelatory. I said, Lord, what do you wanna say to these people? And, and I can say I started to feel, and I don't know how to explain this. I, I just operate in the office of a pastor. You know, a prophetic person has a spiritual inclination and an evangelist comes and feels lost people. But I, I began to feel where some of you are at. I began to think about John and I started thinking about Jesus and, and how he related. I started thinking about how some of you needed to hear the words that Jesus was giving to those that he walked with. He was constantly telling them, don't, don't let your heart be troubled, don't be afraid. Of course, John tells this major crescendo, pinnacle story of the life, the burial, the death, the death on the cross of Jesus Christ. But it also shows the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples and I thought about John 14 where he's sitting with them. This is called the farewell discourse. And of course, this monumental moment's going to happen. But he's also thinking about what they're going to carry in it. He's thinking about what's going to happen after he is crucified. He's, gonna, he, he's thinking about them after he raises from the dead. Of course, he'll come visit them and the responsibilities that they have. And he says this in that moment with them, a very personal moment. Aren't you thankful that we don't worship Jesus who is a statue or a figment of our imagination or a theory or a concept or a dead religious leader who has a grave with bones in it. He's a real Jesus. He's personal and relational and he said this to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and a common phrase he would use, don't be afraid. Fear's an interesting thing. It's interesting that no matter how long you walk with God, no matter where you're at in your journey, a new season, a, a new level can have new devils. A new place in life can bring you to some new fears. And the Bible actually says fear can actually be a spirit too. The spirit of fear. And I, I began to pray for some of you and think about maybe some of you that are dealing with a health challenge or a life transition, a new season, a new place. Maybe somebody here, like Brandy and I, I'll tell you the story. Maybe you're dealing with a sick kid. There's no pain like kid pain. You're, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child, so sometimes the fear's not based on what you're facing, but the fear related to the people you love. So maybe you have a sister or a brother or a father or somebody that you love and, and, and fear's trying to creep in and, and you don't know what to do because sometimes we face things in life where it's like, I don't, I don't know what I should do. I don't know how to fix it. There's no expert. There's no action plan. And so Jesus knew these disciples were gonna face some new things and he was preparing them for it. I, I came here this weekend praying for you and just thinking, 
What if you left here with more hope, more faith, and less fear? You know, I've had a lot of seasons in my own life. In fact, I've faced some new seasons. Last fall, I turned 50. Yeah, that just means you can say whatever you want and you don't care what people think. It's like you cross over, you'd be like, I don't care, just deal with it. I got four kids, three daughters, one boy, two kids that have graduated college and are off the payroll. Can we have a praise in the house of God? Amen, hallelujah. My third daughter, she's in school at Baylor studying to be a nurse. And I have a seventh grader, Lainey Kate. So I went back to carpool. I went back to seventh grade girls. <laughs> seventh grade girls need to get born again. Can I say so? <laughs> Come on, any parent that's raised people in seventh grade. But I also had a big moment. My oldest daughter and my son-in-law gave Brandy and I our first grandbaby. Can, uh, there he is, Samuel. I think I have a picture of him. So yeah, my son, I don't know if you can see him. There he is. Look at him. They tested him in the hospital, like the Apgar test and all that. They said he was gifted and talented. He, made, he passed everything with flying colors. They said, you got so much potential. Who's your papa? I've had a multiple moments along the way in the journey in different seasons, and so I think about all of you and what season that you're in, and I began to think even about the end of John where we see why all of these stories in John took place. Listen to this verse. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, but they're not recorded in this book. But, but he wrote these stories down in these moments that you may believe that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might also have life in his name. So you would believe that he's the Messiah, but you would continue believing so there's a life available on the other side of believing. And I began to think about that verse, and we could go through multiple stories and miracles. In fact, I went to Israel last summer before the conflict we pray for, for, for what's happening there and we pray for God's hand. But before it happened, I took a team of people and I went to the miracle sites in Israel of Jesus. And, and I went to all of these moments. A lot of them happened in John. John records a lot of miraculous moments that Jesus performed. In fact, if you're interested in that, I have the videos of it and, and, a, and, a, and a book on miracles, maybe just, just, just increasing your faith on miracles, and we put that there on the screen. But I wanna, I wanna not go through, we don't have time to go through all these moments and all these stories and all these miracles. I, I, I wanna tell you about something I learned while I was there, maybe reacquainted myself with, and that was that when you go to these sites and you go to these moments and you read these passages and you know a, a boy who's born blind and he sees and, and, and these moments Jesus had with his disciples and these miracles. Like here's something that I was challenged by and I wanna give you an impartation of it, not just information this weekend. I was challenged by this. See, I grew up with a heritage and a foundation that I still hold today. That God is God and he's God all by himself. He's in control. He's sovereign over all the affairs of my life and yours. There's not a single molecule in the universe that's not under his sovereign control, yet he has chosen to work within 
our participation as well. It's quite an interesting thing that he's in control, but so many times in these miracles, it was your faith, and he, he, would, he, would, he would just uh, look at them and, and actually praise them for your faith. You, you had faith in this. And while you guys are studying the book of John, that, that theme right there of believing. In fact, 250 times in the New Testament, the word believe is used, or believing, and over a hundred, around a hundred times in John. So John has so many of the places where this word believe. By the way, believe is not, again, a concept or a mental ascension to something. It's active, it's a verb. So there's a participation. And so I wanna spend the next few moments together Unpacking that word believe, the Bible also uses it as this word. In fact, the root structure of the original language is this idea of faith. This idea of faith. Now, I don't know where you come from. You may come from being like me, very anchored in the fact that God is in control. You may come from a place where, again, you may need some of that anchoring and maybe you saw some of the imbalances of faith. I, I don't know where you come from. Maybe some of you are like, I just need help. Maybe you need reminded. Here's what I found though as a pastor. See, I'm still an old school pastor. Stand in the foyer, shake hands, work with people, around people. I began to see over the last several years that we ourselves today, we understand the word faith, but there's a lot of people today who don't really know what it is. Why is anxiety at an all-time high? Why is fear? There's cultural reasons, but within the people of God, we need reminded some of us and some of us taught, how do you access faith? Because that is the fire extinguisher to the fear of fire in your life. That fear is extinguished by faith. Hebrews 11 says it's a substance. If it's a substance, it's something you can go, I'll take some of that today. Today, you can go, you know what? I don't wanna live anxious. I don't wanna live afraid. I've been apprehensious. I've been stuck. I've been concerned. The Bible says it's a substance, so that means I'll have some of that. You can possess it. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So it says it's a substance, but I find a lot of people are going, what is it? It's my daughter, Hannah Grace, who gave me the grandson. She was my first child to drive away from my house in a motorized vehicle. Some of you have been there, you feel me. Let, me. let me give pastoral coaching to a few of the young families. You might wanna come to the altar and pray today for when they drive off in a motorized vehicle. Are you with me? Just get your prayer life up. By the way, don't buy them anything nice. They are going to tear it up. But my daughter, Hannah Grace, she is blonde. No offense. She, she's amazing, but she's just kind of like, ha. Ah. So she got all her stuff and she got in her car and I watched her drive off. I, be, I was like, man, I've become my dad. I, I was walking on the front porch, had my shirt off. Don't picture it. And I'm pacing, when's she gonna come home? When's she gonna come home? When's she gonna come home? She pulls up out there. She's bebopping up the sidewalk. I look and she's missing her right front hump cap. So I look at her, I say, Hannah Grace, where's your hub cap? I'm expecting an intelligent response. 
I'm expecting some kind of reasonable explanation. She looked at me like a deer in the headlights and she said, Dad, what's a hubcap? (laughs) I have to send you out into the world. I find a lot of people when you say faith, like a substance, people are like, what's a hubcap? What is that? So I wanna walk you through systematically How do you access it? What does it look like? Well, first of all, it starts with saving faith. It starts with saving faith. See, we don't have a get get access to a bunch of positive ideas and you become a better person. Faith, that's not what Jesus brought. Number one section of today's American bookstore is self-help. We even preach it in the church sometimes. Forgive yourself, love yourself. The Bible says something totally opposite. Die to yourself. Die to yourself. Self is the problem. And so we have this understanding of saving faith that comes from Ephesians. I love it. It says, for it is by grace you've been saved. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that you're listening to me today, wherever you're listening from. It's the grace of God that God's drawing you and you're intrigued and who is this Jesus? And God doesn't play fair. He'll start chasing you and you're like, you know, you can't even sin and have fun. You're just like trying to enjoy it, but like God's pulling you. He'll mess with you too. Like he might give you a kid that loves God. Fool, my kid wants to go to church. He'll start drawing you. Then you'll try to run away from it. You know, you'll be like, I gotta get away from all these Jesus people. This is bothering me. Then you'll change jobs. And the person in the cubicle will look over and go, hey, what's up? You ever met Jesus? You're like, ah. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. What's he doing? It's his grace. He's pulling you. And yet his grace is there to reveal Jesus to you. But it takes faith to say Yes. You're like, oh my gosh, if I say yes, what will my family say? What would my friends say? Can I live up to it? Let me answer that one, by the way. If you're going, I don't wanna say yes to Jesus. I don't know if I can live up to that. You can't. That's what's so amazing about Jesus. Jesus didn't come to bring a religion that you do these certain things to get up to him. Like, that's the problem with religion too. You never know what the actual rules are. You're like trying to figure them out. You're trying to get... The message of Jesus is different than every other perspective on the planet. He said, you couldn't get up to me, so I'm coming down to you. He lived the life that we could never live so we can have a life that we could never earn. He comes and pays the price, so it's by grace, but it's through faith. It's through faith that you step into it, and it says it's the gift of God. You know what I find the biggest barrier today? Some of you, when I'm interacting with people today, biggest barrier is not you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, all the isms or some perspective or religious philosophical ideology. The number, one I, the number one religion I run into today is I'm a good person religion. I had my trainer a few years ago, I started training with him. He had marriage problems, family problems, he's lost. It's like a setup. <laughs> You're gonna spend two hours, you're gonna spend two or three hours a week with me? You're getting saved, you know what I'm saying? You can come through the keyhole or the doorway either way you want to. A little while into our relationship, I looked at him and I was like, hey, where are you at with Jesus, man? 
Like, where are you at? Like, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. What if you died today? You have to stand before God. Like, where are you at in your relationship with Jesus? And I built enough relationship to ask him that question. In fact, it was interesting, our relationship, after a while, I looked at him and I said, you've been having marriage problems and you've got all these spiritual problems and you've got depression and all this other stuff, and let's just cut to the chase. I do about 80% of what you tell me to do. Still don't eat right, but I come in here, I do the exercises, you haven't done anything I've asked you to do. And anyway, where are you at with Jesus? You know what he told me? He said, I'm a good person. Number one response today, like, I'm a good person. So I asked him, I said, have you ever lied? He goes, yeah. I said, then you're a liar. Have you ever stolen? Well, yeah, everybody has. I said, then you're a thief. Let's just stop there. See, when we say in our world today, I'm a good person, what we're actually saying is, in my own mind. By the way, we judge ourselves by our intentions, we judge everybody else by their actions. So I feel good, and I believe I'm good, which is ultimately saying I'm better than everybody else I know. Which by the way, if you wanna subscribe to be a good person religion, my recommendation is get you a good heathen friend. Y'all know there are professional sinners, right? Like they're just people that just do it all the way, you know what I mean? And then that way, like when you stand before God, you'll be like, well, I kinda messed up, but he's gonna split hell wide open, you know what I'm saying? Like he's the, come on, y'all are acting religious in church. You know you know people like that. The Bible says they that compare themselves among themselves and measure themselves are not wise. The measurement standard is not the worst person or the best person you know. The standard is Jesus Christ who came to earth and lived a sinless life and you are being compared ultimately to him and the message of the gospel is you can't be good enough. You have to make an exchange with him. His righteousness for your failures. I hear people sometimes come to church and say, man, I came to church, I liked it, I felt better, but then I started feeling guilty. It's like, why do I feel guilty when I go to church? The reason you feel guilty is because you are guilty. You know what you've did that you haven't told anybody else, but the good news of the message of Jesus, he doesn't say mask your guilt, perform your way out of your guilt, try to turn over a new leaf, get some self-help. He says this, I'll take your sin and your stain and your guilt and I'll replace it with my righteousness and you can come in stained and filthy and walk out free and whole. But it takes faith, takes faith. Because what's gonna happen, nowadays we do, you know, in church, I grew up in church, you know, they'd sing 17,000 verses of just as I am. Y'all don't know about all that, but anyway, the pastors stand down front. It wasn't like, if you wanna get saved, stick your toe in the aisle. I, I see that toe, I see that high. Anybody else, I see a hand, I see a hand. Anybody got a hand, stick your hand. You walk out in front of God and everybody, you know what I'm saying? Right there in front of everybody, walk down the aisle. Then at the church I grew up in, they took you up in the baptismal. It'd come open on Sunday, be a mural. Pastor be wearing a white deal, like look like an angel. You walk up in that tank, they, church I grew up in, they put you under till you bubble. <laughs> and you had to come up saying tithe and together we build. If you didn't say it, they'd be like Now we're like, just show us your pinky and fill out a card. 
takes faith to accept Jesus. But I wanna spend the rest of my time talking about the Bible doesn't say we're just saved by faith, but the Bible says the righteous shall live by faith. Every step in this journey is a step of faith. So we should know what it is and how to access it. I wanna give you a few things that it is. I want you to walk away with some tangible things. Number one, faith sees. Faith sees. The Bible says we don't walk by our natural sight, but we walk by a spiritual sight. We walk by faith and not by natural sight. It sees situations different. It sees circumstances different. I didn't want this. There's some of you still struggling with, I didn't want this. This isn't how I drew it up. This isn't what I expected. There's missed expectations. But I love what John said while we were worshiping. What was happening while we were worshiping? I've loved worshiping with you this weekend. I love going to a worshiping church. I love what John says. It's like worship actually is, it's changing your perspective now to face the future. Some of you have fear of the future because you're looking at it wrong. We ultimately win. Jesus is the victor. I didn't grow up in a church that worshiped like this either. My church, you didn't raise your hand unless you had a question. They weren't gonna answer it because it wasn't part of the program. My wife took me to her church, which was like this, and I know some of you are new to all this. She took me to her church. I mean, people raising hands, and I was like, these people have emotional issues. I actually think they need counseling. I know some people even at our church today, they're like, when's the bald guy gonna talk? Why are we singing the songs, you know? Like, when do they allow rock music and Jesus? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. It's not about the style. It's not even about the song. It's about faith sees. What you're doing is you're turning your attention away from your challenges toward an almighty God who has the power to change those situations. You're lifting up your eyes. It's changing your perspective when you worship. That's what's happening. I think about sight. I turned 50, so I have, I, I have a problem that I don't admit I have. I think my eyes are getting worse. Actually, I really believe my arms are just getting longer. Anybody out there know what I'm talking about? I'm just, I'm denying it. I just hold things out. Now, my wife has had this problem for a while, so she has like six pairs of glasses. I haven't decided what glasses I'm gonna get, right? I'm trying to decide, can I go cool? Do I do it? The chains are probably too much. I don't know which ones I'm gonna get. But every now and then I grab her glasses. I put them on and I'm like, oh, oh, oh man, that looks amazing. Did you know faith is like a spiritual set of glasses? It doesn't mean the circumstances have changed. You just see it different because you're seeing it through the lens of not your ability, but God's power. The second thing is some of you are like, okay, I got you, Pastor Faith. You came here to impart faith to us. We're going to leave with hope, the substance of faith, and all what I'm facing this week, man, I'm going to have something different going on. It's not emotional. It's real. Like, how do you get it? I know some of you are going, how do you get it? Well, guess what? It comes. It comes to you. Now, you can't door dash it. You can't Amazon it. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As I'm speaking or as you engage with the word, what happens is 
it's coming, it's coming. The book of Romans says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I'm I'm telling you, it's, it's the battle today. We get caught up in the skirmishes. You guys wanna know what the battle actually is? I've raised teenagers, by the way. I'm speaking to some of you young families. You better set this up as the authority at your house now. Young families, hear me. That's what the battle is over. It's not about all the different dialogues and the debates. It's about whether this is authoritative and can say what is true. I do this at my house. I do this at my church. It's not about my personality. It's not about my, it's about I'm under the authority of this living word. Teenagers, when they become, they get opinions. We appreciate your opinion, but we're going with the opinion of almighty God, the word of God. So we live in a less literate world. Like if you read one book, you're better than 60% of people who will read no books this year. If you read two, you're crazy. Problem is we have a book. We have a living book. We have a living love letter from almighty God to us. And when we hear it, when we receive from it, it brings faith into our lives. It's contradictory to how we think. That's why it's so good that you live in a church, you you go to a church where the word of God is preached. Because this is an equal opportunity offender, by the way. If you didn't grow up under it, it will mess with you. My dad made me read Proverbs as a kid. I recently went back through it. I'm like, oh, ouch. Think about what you're saying. Listen more. I mean, I can tell y'all haven't read it lately. (laughs) Oh man, it'll touch all the areas of our culture that says this is personal, this is private. I can decide this. I can make my own jurisdictional ruling over this. This book right here speaks to all of it. And when you ultimately submit to it, the faith of it is deposited in your heart and in your life. We took several thousand kids to youth camp last summer. Several thousand camps, VBS. Our youth team came back and I said, I saw, brought them all together as the pastor. I said, hey guys, what are we dealing with with the next generation? And when I grew up, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They said, it's anxiety number one thing that the next generation is dealing with. Why? Because this can't produce what this can produce. You got to get a little more intentional, a little more aggressive. I put it on the back of my phone. I get scriptures to hold on to for whatever I'm fighting because it's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the sword of the spirit, all the defensive things that have been given to us. This is our offensive weapon against the tools of the enemy. So I put it, my wife will write it on our mirror. I'm talking about the word of the living God. If you're here and you say, fear's creeping in on me, there's things, then get more aggressive with the tool and the weapon you've been given. Faith will come to you though. It'll start coming to you. You'll be like, whoa, it's coming to me. The third thing is faith speaks. Faith speaks different. Faith talks different. I love this verse out of 2 Corinthians. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. It's like in our world today, you get extra credit for being critical. 
You get extra credit for being cynical. That's, that, that's the world we live in. It's like we, we have somehow arrived at a place where it's celebrated to be the person who's negative. I talked to a guy the other day, he said, I'm a self-made man. I said, why'd you make yourself like that, bro? <laughs> I just tell it like it is. I said, and you're a jerk too. We live in a world where we think that should be celebrated, but the Bible doesn't celebrate that, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And we eat the fruit of it. You're like, my house, I want it to be a place of peace. What Jesus said, I give you peace, not like the world gives peace. Peace can come to your house by just changing the tone of how you talk. Faith speaks different. The next thing is though, faith is contagious. It's contagious. So there's, in 1 Corinthians 12, a group of gifts. They're, they're different than the other gifts that are granted to you by the Father. These gifts are what the Bible calls manifestations. So in a specific situation, the Holy Spirit can show up and manifest God's power and ability through a human being for someone else. See, these gifts are not for you. It says they're a manifestation for the common good. One of those gifts is the gift of faith. When you get around people that have faith, it gets on you. That's why we come together and worship. That's why we're, we're asking the men here to come to the men's thing the next two Thursday nights. That's why we're always pulling on you and pulling on you. Hey, get connected. Don't just attend your church. Like, like get involved. Like, be a part of the community. I always say this, the back row is a great seat. Nobody, no, I'm not mad at anybody on the back row. We're glad you're here. But just sitting and observing, it's okay unless you wanna grow or you have a problem. So don't just attend your church, plug into it. Why? Because you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Like there's times where God gives us an assignment, like work with this bitter person, work with this hurt person, like help them, but you better have a recharge place of people of faith that you go get around so that you get a hold of that contagious faith atmosphere to face what it is that you face. A few years ago, we learned a lot about contagious. Y'all all remember? Somebody said, help us, Lord. I'm not talking about all the dimensions of that time period. What I am talking about is my wife used to be, my wife is a germaphobe, and I wasn't. When we had the global pandemic, we all became germaphobes. You'd be walking through the grocery store, you'd just look at someone and think, they're contagious, you know? You just your own family, your kids, you'd be like, go to your room. I don't wanna be around you, you're contagious. But we became real contagious conscious, didn't we? And I'm gonna tell you, again, a real challenging situation, a real medical reality, but as a pastor of people, the medical reality was one challenge, but the bigger reality was the spirit of unbelief and cynicism and criticism and isolation that pulled people away. And I'm not talking about politics. Don't email me. I'm not going to read it. I'm talking about, I've been a pastor for 30 years and the sheep got out of the pen. They were gone. I became a TV preacher. Praise God. Glory. Online giving button right above me. Anyway, I'm just joking. 
We opened the pen back up. The sheep started coming back in. They came in. They had picked up diseases more than just COVID. They were like, got rabies. They're like, <laughs> you're like, hey, 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 I'm your pastor. Chill, chill, chill. What an interesting human kind of period and evaluation of how we are. Not saying anything about the medical issue, but what if we as the people of God were that vigilant regarding unbelief, cynicism, criticism. Did you know there's things I don't watch, things I don't listen to. I protect my gates. Why? Because I don't want to pick up that spirit. Are you with me? That's a good place to clap. Some of you are like, oh, maybe I should stop. You should. There's some things you should block out of your life because faith is contagious, but Unbelief is too. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. I wanna pray for you today. We all need faith. No matter what season you're at or how long you've walked with God, the book of John over and over, believe. Continue believing. Continue in this believing, why? That he is the Messiah, but also there's a life available to those of us who continue to receive from what he has to offer, this faith that pushes down fear. Not living discouraged, but living hopeful, not even based on our circumstances. Peace that's not based on what you're facing. Sometimes he calms the storm, and I believe some of you, God's gonna do a miracle even today in your storm. But even if he doesn't calm the storm, he can calm you. He can calm you in the storm. My wife and I, you look at me, you go, well, it's great for you to preach faith. You know, you're a pastor. You know, you, you probably have everything, you know, like angels probably escort you to your Bible every morning. <laughs> Man, I need faith. I look back when we started our church. My wife had debilitating arthritis. Couldn't walk my kids, couldn't, couldn't even take my kids and walk them in the building to school. We just began to pray and seek God and was in a meeting just like this. I know some of you, you've brought that kid that's a prodigal, you've brought him to God, you've brought him to prayer meetings, you've brought him maybe to a Wednesday night worship and, and maybe today you just came to church, you've, you've brought that situation but we never know when we just keep bringing it to Jesus. What may or might not happen in a setting just like this. My wife was instantaneously healed in a moment like this. Still healed today. I've seen God show up. My grandson had a big cyst on his neck in utero. They saw it on the sonogram. My family, see, I want you to have what I do have. What, what I don't have is I don't have a pain-free life. What I do have is I have been trained on how to go to God, how to speak the word, how to engage with the word of God. I need the same thing you need. So me and my family, we gathered together. We began to confess the word. You knew me in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit together my inward most parts. We began to confess it. My grandson, you saw him, nothing the miraculous hand of God, not the power of our prayers. But by the way, every time you pray the word, you're praying the will of God when you pray the word of God. I don't know where you're at, 
But maybe you're just like me. I need faith more than ever. My daughter, my seventh grader, Lainey Kate, when she was five years old, she had an elbow that stopped working and they put her in a cast. We thought she had broken something. Went to specialists and then I'll never forget the day I walked into the doctor's meeting. I thought it was just another meeting, but what I would find would really change our family forever. They said she had juvenile arthritis. They had to put a long shot into her elbow that day of steroids to get her arm to start working. For two or three years, she would take medicine where every weekend she would throw up. She's, she's grown our faith and her faith is, has to grow. I, I talk about faith a lot, about the goodness of God and, and, and that he's still good no matter what we're facing with her because I don't want her in the pain she's in in any way to lose sight of how good our God is even in the midst of the struggles that we have. So I find myself going where I'm going with you a lot in my life. She now, when she goes to Shriners Hospital, there's handicapped kids. She takes stickers for the other kids. I, I have such a compassion for people that walk with challenging things with their children. But the truth is, she threw up this morning because of medicine. We spent two years with her throwing up every single weekend. Before I came to preach to you, I'm just being transparent with you. I'm here to preach on faith. Before we left the hotel room, my wife was crying. She was crying in the last service. And, and the service prayed for my daughter, last service really touched us. I'm here to tell you, there's no one exempt. There's no one exempt from the trials and challenges and tribulations that we walk through, but God. But we have God. We have the goodness of God. We have the reality of Jesus. We can walk in faith no matter what our circumstances are. We can. And it's not hype and personality. It's a substance we can grab a hold of today. I'm gonna ask you if you would to bow your heads. I believe there's some of you here today in this church where we've worshiped God, where we've come together. There's some of you here though, you're like, I want that peace, pastor. But see, we don't go after the peace. We receive the peace giver. You say, what really is salvation that you were talking to your trainer about? It's not about being a good person. It's about surrender. It's really surrender. So if you're here today, you say, hey, Pastor Jeff, I just need to surrender. I've been running. I'm that person you're talking about. Then right where you are, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I receive today that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead. Come into my life, personalize it. Just say, be my Jesus. Maybe some of you coming back home, Jesus, come in. Right where you are, Jesus, I receive you. If you prayed that prayer, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I did. I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward. Keep it up high so I can see it. All of you with your hands raised, you need to take steps. You need to take the steps that the church puts in front of you so that you can grow into all that God's called you to be. But how many of you say, Pastor, the Lord sent this tall, bald Texas guy here with a burden on his heart because I need some faith for what I'm walking through. Would you raise your hand so I can include you in this prayer? Say, I've got some things I'm walking through, maybe a job, maybe a family. Lord, I lift them up to you, Lord, these precious people. Lord, I pray right now for an impartation of faith, not a hype-filled service, but a substance that's rooted in your character, Jesus. And Jesus, you would come in and strengthen them. That Lord, you would not just calm the storm. Maybe for some of them right now, you're gonna do a miracle in their kid's life or in their health. You are a miracle working God, do that miracle. But Lord, you're also calming us in the storm.
And so Lord, I pray and I align with your word, peace, peace, fear pushed down, peace, confidence and faith in Jesus' name, amen. Church, church, can we pray right now for Lainey, their daughter? Grab your wife's hand, Jeff. Would you stretch out your hands right here? Just by faith, just release healing, release long life over Laney. Lord, we, the, the prophet Isaiah said, your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be their peace. And so Lord, we speak long life over Laney. We speak health over Laney. We speak vigor and vitality and energy and strength. I see her as an old woman bouncing around, just bouncing around. So Lord, we rebuke the devil in Jesus name. <laughs> We thank you that your daughter Lainey is going to be raised up to fullness of life. And all God's people said, can we say thank you to Pastor Jeff for preaching this morning? I want to invite our communion servers to come down because what we need right now is to respond to Jesus. What we do here at New Life, if you're new with us, is we move through the room. We come down and get communion elements as we worship and go back. And in just a few minutes, I'll lead us through. But as you come forward, what I want you to see yourself doing, this isn't just a bunch of humans moving through a room. This is people saying, I trust Jesus. I'm going after Jesus. My faith is in Jesus, and he's the one who can make it better. So friends, as we worship the Lord, I invite you to come forward. If you're physically not able to tap your neighbor, they'll bring you an extra, but come and grab these communion elements. Go back to your seat as you worship and I'll come just in a second. Let's worship. Thanks. 
Church, would you open your communion elements and be ready to receive? We've got just a dozen more people coming through here. I love coming to the table of the Lord at the end of every service. Why? Because it centers us on Jesus. But to come to the table of the Lord, you got to live by faith. I mean, it's just a average grape juice and a terrible cracker. <laughs> I mean, what, what are we doing here? This is our symbol of faith. Awesome. Great being a Christian. No, no, you got to live by faith. You got to live by faith that Jesus comes to the table and it doesn't look like much, but he goes, this is my body and it's broken for you. And as often as you do this, you fight for that. You remember by faith. This is the cup of the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. And every time you do it, remember God is for you. Friends today, I say Jesus is for you. And he's come and he's given you bread today. Would you take that little wafer? Jesus says, here you go. This is my body broken for you. Receive it today by faith. Some of you need some stuff washed away today. Some of you need that new covenant opened up. Some of you need forgiveness. All of us need Jesus to heal us to the deepest places. He says, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and you're clean today. Friends, drink up to your forgiveness. Before we leave, let's worship one more time. Let's press back in for just a minute. Come on. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. tight for 90 more seconds. Men of God here, the next two Thursday nights, 630 here on campus in the World Prayer Center, we're starting a series, The Renewed Mind. Men, if you want a renewed mind, if you want a mind strengthened in faith, strengthened in the word, the next two Thursdays at 630, come join us. There's a table in the lobby. You can get signed up online or just show up. But men, we would love to have you come. And I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you need extended prayer, if you're saying yes to Jesus afresh today, if, if you need healing in your body, come forward and let our team pray for you. Would you open your hands to receive the blessing today as you go? I pray. May the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you 
and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you his peace today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.